Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight, Hunter Biden on the hot seat. And Merrick Garland, the attorney general for Joe Biden, also on the hot seat, definitely being grilled by Republican members of Congress on a slew of issues. Now, he came before a Senate committee today, and the goal was to talk about budgets and to talk about funding for a whole bunch of things like the border like fixing crime, fighting crime. We'll get to that in a little bit later on in the show because he didn't seem to have a lot of answers in those arenas either. And all I kept thinking is, boy, are we in trouble. This is basically America's top cop. And he was like, uh, 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 didn't really know where he was going, didn't really have a clear answer or a vision. Granted, he can only go with what the administration projects to him and gives to him. So he didn't really have a clear path for fighting crime in America as a major, major serious issue. He didn't really have an answer on about the border, too. Where are we going with the southern border and the issue of lifting Title 42? And by the way, later on also in the show, we're going to talk about the utter hypocrisy. I mean, the fact that here today they are asking for more funds for COVID relief, saying that, listen, the coronavirus is very pervasive. There was even a new study that said that 60 percent of Americans by now have had the coronavirus at least once. Uh, That is a big, big number. And they say that this particular virus right now, this variant, is very infectious So much so that now the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, has it. So it's obviously an issue that the White House is well aware of. Here she is, basically the borders are, remember, Biden put her in charge of the border. And yet, at the same time that they're going and asking for an enormous amount of money from the U.S. Senate, meaning American taxpayer money, meaning our funds coming A whole bunch of stuff that they are asking for tied to coronavirus relief packages. All financial aid saying, listen, it's a major issue. We need to combat it. We need to figure out a way to do this. And while they're doing this, they don't want to change Title 42 at the border. They are still wanting to lift Title 42, which was in place as a health provision to keep migrants out of the United States, saying that it was a health risk because they're not checking for vaccinations. They're not vaccinating them. They're not checking their medical history. They're not even checking their criminal history. You think they're checking their medical history? The answer is no and no. 
So in the height of all this, as they are asking for funds, the utter double standard and hypocrisy that for some reason there is COVID all over America and Americans need to mask up. We need to do all these things. And yet, on the other hand, guess what? On the southern border, no problem there. We can lift Title 42. Everything is safe and sound for the people who live under the bridges and have had a difficult situation getting to America and some of the most atrocious conditions and situations. They don't have any health risk. That's what this administration wants us to believe. It is unbelievable. And Republicans are fighting back and going, no way. They are saying, let's secure the border. Do your job. To me, it is unbelievable, the utter hypocrisy at a time where here it is, the person who's in charge of the border, Kamala Harris, has coronavirus, talking about it going on all over the place. They're talking about how they tested the president. You got to worry. I mean, he's an older guy. He's obviously having cognitive issues. So, you know, you don't want him to have coronavirus. You want to protect him. You don't want the vice president to have it either. You don't want anyone to have it. But if it's such a big issue that even the vice president, who is being double boosted, by the way, and double vaccinated, that was the case. She had four shots. She still got it. And yet, come on in at the border. Does that make any sense to any of you? It does not make any sense to me. Meantime, also, of course, Republican senators use the opportunity to ask Merrick Garland, the attorney general, about the issue of Hunter Biden. There have been a whole bunch of reports that have literally come out in the last 24 hours that do not look good for this president. And remember, he has been steadfast. He said, no, I never met any business associates of my son. I don't believe my son did anything wrong. My son is the smartest guy I know, even though he can't separate cocaine from Parmesan cheese. We'll get to that in a moment. But he still says, you know what? There is no issue whatsoever with my son. I never met these people. I don't know what it is. He's such a brilliant man, even though, boy, if you look at some of the videotapes, uh, I saw things that I've never seen or even heard of in my life. And I went to Amsterdam when I was when I was a teenager. I was in Amsterdam. I remember I lived I lived, you know, for a year abroad. I went to Amsterdam and I saw a lot more in those Hunter Biden videotapes than I've ever seen anywhere else. My goodness. I was like, whoa, I couldn't even watch. I was like, stop, stop. So anyway, this is the most brilliant man that the president knows, his son. And so now there are more details that in the last few days we are learning that there were up to 8 to 12 additional visits by business associates of Hunter Biden to the White House coming in 2016 when he was vice president, when President Biden was then vice president. And again, this comes on the heels of a report that there were prior to this about 10 to 12 other visits. So we're talking about 20 visits by business associates of Hunter Biden and of some of these similar ones that came over and over again. And Joe Biden wants us to believe he still has had no clue who they are, doesn't think there was ever any quid pro quo, doesn't think his son was anything other than this incredible business consultant, never met them, remember, he says. Do you believe him? And this also comes with new reports of some emails that many people are saying smoking guns that basically showed that more funds were going to, quote, the big guy. And there have been reports in the past that the big guy was 
President Biden. So where do you see this going? Well, coming up in just about eight or nine minutes from now here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to have John Solomon, great investigative journalist, to give us his take because he has been studying. He's been following this case. He's been breaking some huge scoops on the Hunter Biden case to talk about the Merrick Garland grilling on a whole bunch of topics, but especially where he sees the case of Hunter Biden going. We know that it's in the hands of a grand jury right now in Delaware. There's a U.S. attorney who is indeed investigating it. So it's not just, you know, it's not just uh, what the Washington Post and the New York Times wanted us to believe hogwash for years until they finally admitted, no, 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 the laptop is real. There is definite evidence that he is for sure being investigated 1,000% and multiple media outlets are now reporting that those efforts are stepping up, that indeed in the last few weeks particularly, they've been pulling in a whole bunch of former associates of Hunter Biden to question about Hunter Biden, to question about the president, to find out where does this go. And Republicans are now saying that if they get control of Congress, if they get control of the House or the Senate or both, They will absolutely call for hearings, and they will not only go well beyond whatever the grand jury is looking at, but they say they will absolutely look at this and get to the bottom of this because there's a lot of questions. It involves Kazakhstan. It involves China. It involves Ukraine, Russia. And boy, are these hot topics right now. Meantime, today, here is Senator Braun, Mike Braun, questioning Merrick Garland, asking Is it time to bring in an independent investigator to look into Hunter Biden? Listen to Merrick Garland's response. Uh, Do we need a special prosecutor uh, to look into the Hunter Biden, you know, affair? Uh, Do you think we need to? And um, I would then have one follow up question to that. So uh, do we need a special prosecutor to look into that? Um, So. As you know, the investigation is being run and supervised by the United States Attorney in Delaware, who is an appointee of the previous administration, and continues on as the United States Attorney. Um, um, The question of whether to have a special counsel is one that is an internal decision-making in the department, so I I don't want to make any judgments one way or the other, but um, I'm quite comfortable with the United States Attorney um, um, for that district, um, um, continuing in, in the role that he's playing. In other words, we have no plans. And then he also said, by the way, yeah, there is no conflict of interest whatsoever. I can 1,000% guarantee that Joe Biden is not interfering in the investigation by that U.S. attorney, of which Merrick Garland is the boss of technically. So at the end of the day, There could still be a referral from that U.S. attorney, then goes to Merrick Garland, and then Merrick Garland can say, ah, nothing here. Let's move on. I actually think there should be a special counsel to look into it. Um, We'll see where the grand jury goes, first of all, because there have been obviously some updates from the grand jury. So I'll be curious to hear what John Solomon has to say as to whether he thinks we should wait for the grand jury, whether he thinks there should be an independent prosecutor. Where does he think... All of this should go. And then Mike Braun asked the $64 million question, saying, look, maybe there's a little bit of a double standard here. Take a listen. So a follow-up question that would be, um, of course, special 
prosecutor, prosecutor uh, uh, counsel Mueller, you know, was assigned uh, in that whole uh, Steele dossier issue, which now has been debunked. Uh, if you had been in that capacity then, do you think a special counsel was needed there as well? Uh, it's hard to put myself back into, into that circumstances. Uh, and then, of course, there would be a different – for me to be in that position, there would have been a different president. So I, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I can answer that hypothetical. Yeah, in other words, I'll pass on that. I mean, come on. Remember how much the country was dragged through and through and through. And now here we are on something where we know that he is indeed being investigated for potential crimes. I mean, we're talking, you know, tax issues. We're talking lobbying issues. And yet, oh, no, no problem there. And I can swear that I absolutely will not interfere, that Biden won't interfere. This is the same attorney general. This is the same Department of Justice, remember, that was basically smearing parents as domestic terrorists that were saying that they were the worst of the worst being investigated. And then they backtracked. Remember that whole thing? I mean, if they're going to go to those lengths, don't you think they might want to protect the president and his son, who is the smartest guy that Joe Biden knows? My goodness. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, 1-800-848-9222. Should there be a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden and do things look awfully fishy that now we know that business associates just in 2016 alone, according to reports, visited at least 20 times when Joe Biden was the vice president? And yet, oh, he never met them. Do you believe that? Well, we're going to talk to great investigative journalist John Solomon for the very latest right after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you got to get a hold of some of the new news that's happening in the Hunter Biden case. My producers are happy. See, got a hold on me. I got a little right. There's a line in there. I think I'm close. Anybody, you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. I always try to guess the music in case you guys are all wondering. We always play the best music here on the show. And speaking of best music, well, maybe Hunter Biden may be facing the music because things are not looking good for him. There are a whole bunch of new reports that are just out. One, by the way, just coming out a few minutes ago from the New York Post saying that the President Joe Biden agreed to cover more than $800,000 worth of bills racked up by his son, including legal fees tied to the winding down of his controversial overseas bill uh, business dealings, and that was ahead of the 2022 election. Another report coming out from the Daily Mail saying that the laptop basically shows, again, the same thing with the legal fees, but this is a whopper, too, that apparently due to an analysis by the DailyMail.com of the president's financial records, it shows $5.2 million, that's with an M, $5.2 million in unexplained funds. So where does that go? And our next guest has been following the Hunter Biden case big time and, in fact, had a bombshell report of his own. He's had a lot of them regarding this. Uh, talking about also some text messages that came out recently uh, tied to Hunter Biden and 
Joe Biden that also show maybe Joe knew a lot more about his son's business dealings than he has ever exposed. And joining us now is the author of that great big blockbuster, John Solomon, who is the founder of Just the News. John, great to have you here on the show. Great to be with you, Rita. You know, you've had some great scoops on this. Um, First off, let me just ask you about Merrick Garland, because the attorney general today, as you know, was grilled uh, before a Senate committee. And they were basically saying, you know what, isn't it time for a special counsel? And how do we really know that Joe Biden and you, Merrick Garland, are not interfering with the investigation of, of his son? He clearly loves his son. He calls him the smartest guy he knows. And we know that he is definitely being investigated by that grand jury. Yeah, listen, I, if Muhammad Ali were alive today, he'd be very proud of Merrick Garland. He did the rope-a-dope for most of the hearing today, uh, ducked on most of the questions, weaved on others. Uh, you know, he was unequivocal. He said, absolutely not. The president will not interfere in this, uh, and I won't interfere with it. I'm going to let this go. Now, when I look at my reporting, what I'm seeing out in Delaware is a prosecutor, a Trump holdover, a wife who is actually uh, conducting an investigation with a lot of activity before the grand jury. It, the activities of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware are very similar to what we saw John Durham doing last summer before he indicted Michael Sussman and then Igor Danchenko back-to-back in the Russia collusion case. So right now it does seem like the prosecutor has free reign that he is investigating. He is calling the right people before the grand jury, people that we have seen show up in emails and business deals. So they seem to be asking for the right people, talking to the right persons, uh, asking a lot of the right questions. Who's the big guy? Those are some of the questions that have come up. And I I think at this point, we have to watch and see what happens. I think there are some in the Republican Party would like to see a special counsel. Here's the bad news about that from the other side. The other side says, and when I mean this, there are other Republicans who are worried that if you start a special counsel, it starts all over. This gets kicked past the election. We're in 2023, maybe even 2024, before we know what happens. Look how long it took for Durham to bring his first charges two, three years into his investigation. So there's a split thought in the Republican Party about this. Some would like to see the special counsel to have the independence. Some worry that it would slow down something that seems to be speeding towards a, a criminal indictment. So uh, I thought there were two other headlines of Merrick Garland. I'll just quickly point out because I think they're both uh, can be attributed to the failures of the Biden administration. He was asked about the potential of a terror attack, and he said he's very worried about ISIS-K coming in from Afghanistan. Well, how did that happen? Well, because of the way we exited uh, Afghanistan under Joe Biden and the way that we failed to vet Afghan refugees before they were coming to the country. At least 23 we know had terrorist ties and were still led into this country by the Biden administration. Second thing, he was very honest about Title 42. Once it's lifted, the border is going to get way, way worse. So two interesting answers by Merrick Garland that go to the policy failures of President Biden. Yeah, it is interesting. It was like when I was watching it, it was like, uh, well, we don't really have a solution. In other words, okay, when 42 is lifted, it's going to be a disaster. And yes, we do have issues with security, as you mentioned, ISIS-K. Again, vis-a-vis security, I think about uh, rising crime across this country. There was a question about how do we combat that. And he was like, well, you know, we sort of need to look here. He he didn't have like, a, it just made it feel like it was rudderless from the top. And this is our top, you know, law enforcement guy. So that, 
I agree with you. It was a major, major concern. And the way he talks about ISIS-K and terrorists, you would think that kind of an answer would be the right answer is we'll secure our border. We'll protect our border, you know, as opposed to, well, we're going to lift Title 42. That's really a way to secure our country, you know. Yeah. No, listen, I think a lot of Americans already figured out this administration is going to do nothing on the border. Uh, it is, you know, it, it's a crisis that is already at epic proportions and should Title 42 be lifted. I've heard estimates from the Border Patrol, from some of the Congress people who have been down at the border in the last few days, 18,000 illegal immigrants a day. That's 500, 600,000 a month, a surge like any, unlike anything in American history. And you understand now why some folks like uh, Terry Lake and uh, Mark Burnovich in Arizona and Ken Paxton in Texan, Texas are talking about this being treated as an invasion. That many people coming across the border unchecked feels like an invasion to some of those border states. Yeah, it is a huge, huge concern. Um, John, do me a favor. Can you stick with us? Because I, I want to carry you over to the next break and get more sure. into the Hunter Biden because you have done some explosive stuff. Um, and I want to get an update from you. You mentioned about the grand jury seems to be doing some key work. Um, obviously, they're looking at taxes. They're looking at lobbying issues. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to talk more with John Solomon of Just the News. How far away does he think maybe an indictment could come? And how close will this go to the president who says he doesn't know anything about his son's business dealings? We're going to talk about that and also take your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents... And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love where we get to always honor our great men and women in law enforcement, a powerful story about what law enforcement officers often do off duty and how they can rescue people when they are often not on the clock. And this one comes from Benzonia, Michigan, a guy by the name of Jeff Brumner, who was serving as the home plate umpire suddenly fell to the ground during the first inning of the first game of a doubleheader. And after he was just routinely tossing a ball back to a pitcher. So two guys, Jason Roloffs and also Jason Hamilton, who are both deputies with the Grand Traverse County Sheriff's Department, and another guy, Matt Lyon, who is a sergeant with the Michigan Department of Corrections at the Oak Correctional Facility, rushed to the guy's side and administered CPR. They even had to use a portable defibrillator to shock him and eventually resuscitated the man. Both of Roloffs and Lyon, by the way, are coaches on the Kingsley softball team in Hamilton. The other guy who helped, the one who was with the Department of Corrections, uh, well, he just happens to be a father of two Kingsley softball players. They all just happened to be off-duty and were there in different roles at the game, some of them spectators, again, some of them coaches. 
And they said that it happened right in front of their eyes. And luckily, they all received great training throughout their career and were able to take control of the situation immediately and save this man's life. What a great story about what our law enforcement do when they are working and even when they are off. They are always paying attention and trying to protect all of us. Well, speaking about protection, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Hunter Biden uh, because, boy, things are getting really, really crazy. Um, You know, you look at he's going to maybe need a good attorney soon uh, because he's already getting involved with one because the grand jury has kicked in big time. And we know that the grand jury in Delaware um, is already very much investigating him on a series of charges. And there is word that those investigations are heating up big time. So the question is, could they come back with an indictment? Um, Because that would obviously be a big, big deal. And then maybe it goes to trial. That's where you could bring in the president himself. And again, a lot of issues here to the heart of where he got millions upon millions of dollars from, remember, the former mayor of Moscow's wife. Remember, uh, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, China. The list goes on and on and on. And again, Joe Biden says he's the smartest guy he knows under Biden. Really? Boy, that's trouble. We'll take a listen today. This is on the Senate floor, and this is Senator Haggerty, Republican Senator Haggerty, asking Merrick Garland, the attorney general, about Joe Biden. And also, did he know about the business deals of his son? Talk about the entanglements of the money. So it seems President Biden was serving as vice president and running U.S. foreign policy at the same time that his son, Hunter Biden, was breaking in money from shady foreign business deals And this was money that was being diverted to benefit Vice President Biden. So, General Garland, do you have any reason to dispute the evidence that indicates that President Biden was involved with and using money from Hunter Biden's business deals? Senator, following the longstanding rule of the Justice Department, we don't discuss investigations or evidence that may may or may not be relevant to investigations. That's a matter um, for the United States Attorney's Office that's investigating the case. In other words, I'm not saying anything. Well, someone who is sharing what he knows is investigative journalist John Solomon with Just the News. He continues now here on the Rita Cosby Show. John, I want to get back with you and ask you a question specifically about the grand jury. What exactly is there a potential they could come back with if they if they come back with an indictment? Um, and how far away? You said that you think it's going to happen soon. Are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? Yeah, listen, right now, the activity that you see before the grand jury is sort of consistent. What you see one to two months out before an indictment is handed up by the grand jury. Now, no one knows what this grand jury is going to do. We don't know exactly what they've heard. We have little glimpses and hints of it from witnesses and lawyers who are familiar with it. But uh, right now, it's extremely active. And you, it's, it's uh, the best comparison I have is it's exactly what I saw last August and September in the grand jury in Washington, D.C., before uh, – John Durham brought those two blockbuster indictments against Michael Sussman and Igor Danchenko in the Clinton-Russia collusion hoax. And so uh, the activity is very similar, very active, uh, same sort of questions, same sort of people coming through. Uh, And I think the grand jury is looking at several things. When you listen to the witnesses, one of the questions is tax evasion. Did he he fail to pay taxes? We know for sure he failed to pay taxes because there are letters on his laptop that we wrote about two years ago that show that he was told – 
in 16, 2016, at the end of his father's vice presidential term, you never paid taxes on all that money you got from Burisma, the Ukrainian company. Think about that. You take large payments from a foreign gas company, and you don't pay taxes on it. Pretty uh, pretty uh, audacious thing to do. We, we know they're looking at foreign lobbying. Was he trying to uh, influence the United States government directly or indirectly on behalf of foreign uh, clients? Uh, did he fail to re- properly register as a foreign lobbyist? And then there's a, a, another element of this that has come in more recently, and it's best summarized by a document we turned up about six months ago at Just the News. It's an affidavit from two of Hunter Biden's former business partners, uh, John Galanis, the father, and James Galanis, the son. They were both business associates. They both got convicted in a tribal scheme that several of Hunter Biden's par- uh, business partners have been sentenced to prison over, fleecing an Indian tribe here in America of millions of dollars. Uh, and in their effort to win leniency, they went to the appeals court, and John Galanis wrote an affidavit saying, hey, listen, here's what was really going on with Hunter Biden. It was an influence peddling scheme. It was a pay-to-play. They would take millions of dollars from foreigners and promise them access to people in Washington. And some of the people have gone before the grand jury. Some of their lawyers are telling me that's one of the focal points. They're being asked, was all this money being paid to Hunter Biden not for services rendered, such as on uh, Ukraine, where he didn't have gas expertise? Was it simply money to get access to the very uh, people that these foreigners wanted to do, use a backdoor, Hunter Biden's backdoor, to get his father and other senior administration officials back in the day? And we know from a story I did a couple weeks ago there are at least five documented meetings that we've been able to show at Just the News where Joe Biden sat and met or had contact with Hunter Biden's business partners. One was in Beijing in 2013 when he met the future uh, business partner of Hunter Biden when he opened up a investment uh, fund there. Another was his Ukrainian business partner from Burisma. Another was uh, uh, people associated with uh, uh, a Russian oligarch. So we know there are multiple instances where Joe Biden actually was meeting with the very people doing business with his son, and the grand jury is being asked to look at this question, was that a pay-to-play scheme? Was that a corrupt pay-to-play scheme? And I think that's one of the questions they're wrestling with right now. And by the way, think about the timing, and I know you understand it. I mean, here we're dealing with so much going on vis-a-vis China, vis-a-vis Russia. I mean, of all times right now, that's why I think it is extremely relevant, and He has maintained, the president's maintained, I've never met, you know, my son's business partners. And now there's also a couple series of reports that have come out that basically say they were at the White House some 20 times. So what, he didn't know who his son was dealing with, but they showed up at the White House 20 times? You know, that's a pretty coveted invitation. Yeah, listen, one of the things we do know is that the original story is that Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the Biden campaign gave the American people, in fact, the, the Democrats gave the American people during the first Trump impeachment story, they have been obliterated. They were false at the time. They were as false as Russia collusion was in 2016. And so that reckoning hasn't been fully there. The media put Hunter Biden in a protection bubble all through 2020. They hid the laptop. They hid the stories I was doing at the Hill. Now we're beginning to see that government officials, campaign officials, podium spokespeople, the president himself, when he looked in the camera multiple times, clearly didn't tell us the truth. And one thing we're now certain of is that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's finances were commingled. You mentioned the New York Post story. That actually quotes work that we did a few weeks ago. 
Hunter Biden uh, in 2020 had lent his father so much money that his father actually signed over his Delaware tax refund in 2010. This is when the, Joe Biden is the vice president trying to pay back some of the money his son had been spending on his behalf. That included repairs at a, a beach home, a regular phone bill that he was paying on behalf of the vice president. Years go by, 10 years later, and it's flipped around. At the end of the uh, relationship going into the 2020 election, all of a sudden Joe Biden is being listed in emails as he's going to pick up hundreds of thousands of dollars of bills that now Hunter Biden owes. So they had a symbiotic, intertwined financial relationship over a decade, from 2009 to 2019. Now irrefutable. It's documented well. But at the time, the president looked into our cameras and said, I have no business dealings with my son. That's his business. Everything's above board. We now know so many of the stories they told us as they tried to win uh, election. the election in 2020 were outright lies. They were falsehoods, and we're just beginning to get a sense of just how big that false portrait was. Wow. Well, that is stunning. And again, um, I've seen the reports, um, a lot of them, again, quoting you guys as like $800,000, and you yeah. also have information on these text messages just like you said, it defies logic. And the White House still continues to say he doesn't have any you know, connection with his son's business dealings. It's just his son's dealing. He has no idea. Um, and they maintain that. And yet there seems to be mounting evidence by far to the contrary. Thank you so much, John. Great work. And everybody check out Just the News and all the great reporting by John Solomon there. He is breaking this stuff left and right. John, thank you. Thanks, Rita. Have a great night. Thank you. Always great to have you on here. Thank you so much. Well, let's go to your calls, Guy. What do you think? The fact that now we are seeing this intermingling of funds and the fact that the president's paying his son's business, you know, legal fees of $800,000. I mean, that's a lot of legal fees, guys. That's not like, you know, hey, Dad, would you mind uh, picking up uh, dinner tonight? I mean, this is big, big money. So what do you make of that and the fact that now there are all these reports about multiple visits from the business associates coming to the White House? And as you just heard from John Solomon, he believes that maybe it's weeks, if not just a minimal amount of months away, that there could potentially be an indictment from that grand jury. Could that be a game changer um, in the Biden administration? And also at one point, I mean, he's going to have to say if all this evidence comes up and says, wait a minute, here's the evidence. And listen, if they go after the son on tax issues or if they go after him on lobbying issues, then it opens a huge can of worms. Well, OK, how much money did you get? Where did that go? How come you didn't register? I mean, there's so many questions here. Again, he has not been indicted yet. We don't know if he's going to be. But indeed, he's being seriously looked at. And as you just heard from John Solomon, it looks like that's the direction it's heading into. And the grand jury is definitely interviewing lots of people. So how bad do you think this looks for Joe Biden? And is it time for an independent counsel to look into this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Rob on line six. Rob, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, hi. Um Hey, Rita. Yep. Hey, Rob, go ahead. Okay. I'm having trouble with my phone. All right. So, yeah, I wanted to say this. When the New York Post broke this story about Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, the leading Democrats of the modern age and their handmaidens in the media, they all lambasted the New York Post for having the temerity of even bringing the subject up uh, in an election year. 
Now that's an about face from where it's always been. So that's 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 an anomaly, really. I mean, he broke the story, and the, 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 everybody went ballistic in the media and in, in, in all the uh, all quarters of the Democratic Party and the leadership positions. I'm going to say that is indicative of who these people are and how they comport themselves and what they do day to day to day to day. I would like to give you one quick example for you and your listeners. It's a really good one. The New York Daily News. So Donald Trump was boarding Air Force One as president. His wife and his son, it was uh, the, 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 the young son, uh, Baron, um, they both went to the side of his umbrella. He had an enormous umbrella. Read it. It was the size of a Volkswagen. It was an enormous, I've never seen such a big umbrella. So what's your point? Collapse- what's your point, Rob? He was collapsing the umbrella to board Air Force One. His wife and son got out of the way on the, of the umbrella. Daily News, they had a photographer, took the picture, and then printed that he was so, such a horrible man that he didn't even share his umbrella with his own wife and son. And this is what they do day in and day out. And what they did on the Hunter Biden laptop story is another great example of it. Well, your point is is a great point. You're right. The double standard. It's like, you know, like if, if Trump breathed in the wrong direction, it was like, oh, my gosh. You know, remember how anxious it was like impeach, impeach, impeach. And yet now it's like, oh, there, there's no story there. He doesn't know anybody. And yet listen to the mounting evidence. And it's become so clear, Rob, that now it's the New York Times, it's the Washington Post. And just as you said, they went to such great lengths, social media, and as we've been talking about Elon Musk and everything going on with Twitter, but think about it. Remember, they blocked the New York Post from covering the story. So even the electorate didn't know about it. And to me, the biggest shame of all of this is that there were polls right after the election from people who said, gosh, had I known these questions that Hunter Biden was being investigated, maybe tied to his father and lobbying money. And boy, isn't it interesting that this guy who doesn't seem to have any experience is making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. You know, they said they might have not voted for Joe Biden. So to me, that is the biggest shame of all. And that's why we need free speech in this country. And the fact that they stifled that prior to the election. And sure enough, you know, afterwards, suddenly, wow, what a surprise. Then suddenly the New York Post story gets out there. You know, suddenly they allow it after the election, after they have their guy in there. To me, that was so despicable. By the way, I want to read some of your tweets, too. I always love getting your tweets, everybody, here on the show. And you can follow me also at Rita Cosby. And also, I often read your comments, not just your calls, too. Uh, But here's a comment from Sal, who we always love here on the show. Sal is saying that he's going to take a wild guess and say that President Biden will pull a type of plausible deniability despite any evidence presented. And Hunter Biden will be a political and legal sacrifice to keep Democrats in power come election time. So it sounds to me like Sal is thinking that maybe they'll throw Hunter under the bus. But the problem is if they can connect Hunter and the president, because do you think that Kazakhstan and China and Russia and others were paying Hunter Biden because he's Albert Einstein? I don't think so. I think it's pretty clear that they were paying for access. And the question is, what kind of access did they get? 1-800-848-9222. I'll take your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are rocking out here. 
the Rita Cosby Show. And boy, things are looking pretty rocky with Hunter Biden. If you look at the situation, because there are reports that have been coming out in the last few days, and so many of them are intermingling Hunter Biden's business dealings and financial dealings, as well as legal fees and a whole bunch of other stuff with his dad, Joe Biden. And remember, Joe Biden says, never met anybody tied to my son in terms of business. Right now, we've seen pictures. You just heard from great journalist John Solomon saying that they can document at least five or six separate meetings with a number of these people that paid Hunter Biden big money. And remember, Joe Biden keeps saying, well, Hunter is the smartest guy he knows. This guy is a walking train wreck. Take a listen. Remember, I always think when I think of Hunter Biden, this is the guy who could not figure out the difference between Parmesan cheese and cocaine because he seemed to enjoy both an awful lot. I spent more time on my hands and knees picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, (laughs) anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. (laughs) Because there'd be crumbs mixed in and you just... Yeah. I mean, I went one time for 13 days without sleeping and smoking crack and drinking vodka exclusively throughout that entire time. How frightening is that, that this is the guy who made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars from very questionable figures, including the mayor of Moscow's wife. Doesn't that raise a red flag, especially right now, given the dynamics in the world? Wow. And we know a grand jury's looking into it. Let's go to your calls, everybody. Let's go to JC on line six. JC, your thoughts are actually JC on line five in uh, Pennsylvania. Go ahead, JC. Hey, Rita, how are you? I'm good. Where do you see this going, JC? Unbelievable. First of all, it's amazing. When when Hunter's talking about that, he seems like really proud of himself, that he's doing all this cocaine and smoking the Parmesan and and doing this and doing that. It's just shameless. It is. Uh, And and you know what? You know what's amazing, JC? You hit it on the head because you're right. He is so like... Happy, like, isn't it great that I couldn't figure out if I was smoking crack cocaine or smoking Parmesan cheese? Aren't I cool? Like, for some reason, he's like, it's like a badge of honor. And to me, what's really scary is that his father at the time was vice president. While he's getting paid huge amount of money, the guy, by his own admission, is high as a kite, hiring prostitutes left and right. I mean, if that's not a situation to be blackmailed or for him to be compromised. I don't know what is. No, it's unbelievable. But here it, here's how it goes, Rita. London's, London Bridge is falling down, okay? We're playing a game of dominoes. The dominoes are going to just keep going over. So we definitely need a special counsel. And what will happen is, along with that special counsel, and what, along with the special counsel, he need, we need a, forens- a financial forensic analysis of all his his uh his balance sheets and and the president's money they have to do complete forensic analysis of all this so coupling that with coupling coupling Durham's report and what's going to come out with him and and the fact that now Elon Musk owns Twitter all of the truth is going to come down and you're going to see the rats and the roaches pour out of the woodwork. 
It's gonna it's it's gonna be like whenever you see a bonfire and you put the 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 wood in there and it it starts burning up and all the insects start crawling out. That's what it's going to be like. Except, by One the way, rats, you, you, you brought up rats. Rats like Parmesan cheese. Right. So they have something yeah, in common right. with Hunter there. JC, thank you. Thanks so much. Let's go to EJ on line one. EJ, your thoughts. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Good evening. It's time for Hunter Biden to call the attorneys. Uh, Dewey Cheeseman how? Oh, look at that. Look at you got some good lines there, EJ. Good one. Good one. I got it. EJ, thanks so much. That's a good one. Let's go to Jim on line six. uh, Go ahead, Jim. Hi, Rita. I echo everyone's thoughts. There's no doubt. Not even 10%. Half went to Hunter Biden. I'm I'm sorry. Half went to Joe Biden. Hunter even said in the email to his daughter about that she hoped she she doesn't have a life like he had where he had to give half his earnings to his father. That's right. You're absolutely right. So I guess the other caller was right. Do we cheat him and how? That's a new one. When we come back, we're going to talk about the border as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. Well, the coronavirus is a problem, it seems, across America, across the world. And in fact, we know that now the vice president has tested positive for COVID, Kamala Harris, who's in charge of the border. But if you look at the border through the Biden administration's eyes, there's coronavirus everywhere to the point where they're insisting that there be a mask mandate back in place on mass trans, you know, transportation like planes and buses. Remember, they were pushing for that. And then the judge actually stepped in and said, wait, 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 wait. And they said they're going to continue fighting that because they feel that there should be a mask mandate because of concerns about the coronavirus. So much so that the double vaxxed and double boosted vice president of the United States now has tested positive, so they're quarantining her. They're making sure, you know, they take precautions. They're saying, boy, it's everywhere. They're asking for additional funds. But there's one place there isn't any trace of coronavirus, and they're not concerned at all, and that is our U.S. border. To me, we are going to talk about mega double standards and hypocrisy tonight because how ridiculous that at a time— where they are fighting for the mask mandate, that they also are fighting to make sure that Title 42, which is that health provision at the border that the Trump administration put in place, they're making sure that that gets lifted. And a judge came out last night and said, you know what, okay, this doesn't make any sense. We're not going to lift it. We're going to put a temporary, basically, injunction on it. 
So the courts are stepping in left and right and dealing big blows to the Biden administration, but they continue to fight it. They continue to say, no, Title 42 isn't a good policy. You know, they can't justify the hypocrisy. So they're like, no, 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 we just don't like that policy. So we're going to lift it and we're just going to basically have a, a whole neon sign at the border. But we're so concerned about COVID. And in fact, again, here is the person who's in charge of the border who now has tested positive for it. Yet she doesn't think that the coronavirus is a problem at the border. Uh, I mean, none of this makes any sense. To me, it is outrageous. It is such a blatant attempt to get all of these people to come across the border to potentially give them amnesty, as they have even talked about. We've heard a number of Democrats, a number of progressive ones have come right out and said, hey, that's the plan. Elizabeth Warren has come right out and said, hey, that's the plan is to give them amnesty to figure out a deal to keep them here in this country. So they're just putting everything on the table to basically make it wide open as possible at the border. And then yet they're going to clamp down on everyday Americans. This is just unbelievable. And to me, an outrageous overreach by this administration on so many levels. And so today we were talking about Merrick Garland, the attorney general who was being grilled about Hunter Biden, grilled about a lot of things. Well, Susan Collins and a whole bunch of others and Senator Graham, a number of them, were asking Merrick Garland, so talk about the border. Isn't it true that the numbers are skyrocketing in terms of drugs, in terms of fentanyl, in terms of so many problems at the border? And listen to this exchange. When it comes to drugs coming into the United States from the southern border in the last year, has that problem gotten better or worse? I don't, I don't know what the numbers are. I, I mean, it's obviously the case that the, the, the transportation of fentanyl particularly has uh, increased. Fentanyl is much easier. It's much more compact, much smaller, goes a longer way. Uh, the the uh, smugglers, uh, particularly in the trucks, have developed ways to hide it even from our x-rays. Yeah. So the, that problem of fentanyl crossing the border has definitely increased in a way that uh, makes all of us very worried. All right, so fentanyl has increased to an issue where you could say, boy, isn't that a health crisis? It is claiming more American lives between the ages of 18 to 49 than anything else right now. That is really a health crisis, even bigger than the amount of deaths in that same time frame, basically, with American citizens for COVID. I mean, you look at it, you could say, okay, we'll put it in place for COVID or we'll put it in place for fentanyl. You could find a reason. But you are not looking at it. This administration is refusing to even go there. They're, no, 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 no. It's a Biden, uh, you know, Biden's goal is to lift it. You know, President Trump put this in place. We don't like it. We don't agree with it. We're going to lift it. It's like at the border, for some reason, there are zero COVID cases with this administration. And to me, that is an utter dereliction of duty. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more with Senator Graham grilling the Attorney General Merrick Garland today about the border and Title 42. Uh, Sort of back to the border. Uh, This idea of taking Title 42 out of the toolbox in terms of a way to deal with illegal uh, immigrant crossings, do you believe if Title 42 is repealed there would be a surge at the border? Uh, As I I, I think it's important important for uh, me to explain our role in this and and the Justice Department's only role is uh, when the CDC makes its assessment as it did um, um, and asks us to appeal for us to determine whether that would be lawful. 
um, and the department concluded that the CDC's... Uh, but you, but you're in charge. I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your thought. Yeah, uh, and so that, that was so. I think, uh, to answer the other part of your question, I think all intelligence suggests that there will be a, a large increase in the border, okay. yes. So there's a huge, like, overwhelming amount of fentanyl that is deadly and is claiming American lives. It's heartbreaking to see how many cases are happening. And, in fact, they're saying younger and younger people are dying from overdoses with fentanyl as young as 12 and 13. So that is a huge problem in the United States. That's certainly a health crisis. That's a health emergency. And then you're also saying, well, when Title 42 gets lifted, yeah, we do expect a surge. I mean, this is the attorney general who is buddy-buddies with Joe Biden. This is for the Biden administration. So then why are you lifting it? And you're lifting it at a time where you're saying that COVID is a major problem in the United States, so much so that now our vice president of the United States has been testing positive. But yet it doesn't exist at the border? I mean, do you think we're delirious? Like, Like we're a bunch of morons? Like we can't figure it out? I mean, this to me is so crazy. Take a listen. Here is the CDC's, this is sort of the coronavirus task force czar, if you will, for the White House. Dr. Zha, who came out today, and he talked about Kamala Harris testing positive. Luckily, she's doing okay. Um, But he said, you know what, we're really worried about the coronavirus. Take a listen. The bottom line is that none of us can predict with any certainty where exactly this pandemic is going, what the virus is going to do next. All we can do is prepare. And that's what we need Congress to do is to help us prepare and be ready for whatever eventuality comes. And then he slammed Congress saying Congress is blocking coronavirus funds because it is so pervasive right now. The virus is taking hold in a lot of people right now. And we need the money. We need the funds to keep our country safe. We need to protect our country. So listen to Dr. Zha again. This is sort of the coronavirus task force guy there for the White House, basically slamming Congress for not giving more coronavirus funds. Treatments like these vaccines that we have developed, these are the key essential tools that we're going to need to get through the rest of this pandemic. And that's the second part of the conversation I want to have with all of you. Because all of this requires funding from Congress. So far, Congress has not stepped up to provide the funds that are needed for our most urgent needs. So Congress is not helping us. And yet Congress, especially the Republicans, have gone down to the border and have said, what the heck are you doing? You're admitting that more problems are going to happen the minute you lift Title 42, yet you refused basically to keep it in place for health reasons. I mean, this is it's it's unbelievable. They are making the case that the coronavirus is such a pervasive problem across this country, so much so that it's infected now the vice president of the United States and that they're making sure they're testing the president, making sure he's being quarantined. There's big, serious issues. Right. But it's not an issue at the border. I, I mean, to me, this is such an utter case of hypocrisy. It's just screaming politics. They are pandering. And they are clearly doing it at American taxpayers and American citizens' expense. So take a listen. So the Hispanic Congress goes and visits the White House. And they go and talk to the president. 
mostly, of course, Democratic members. And sure enough, after they leave, they also slam Title 42 because guess what? It was put in place by Trump, and anything that has to do with Trump, even if it works and it's good, they hate it. So they just basically put all their cards on the table. Listen to these characters. So the the Congressional Hispanic Caucus made it very clear that the Title 42 policy is a public health emergency policy that was instituted under the Trump administration during his hate and fear anti-immigrant agenda. Uh, and that because we have changed the face of the pandemic due to the heroic uh, efforts of the Biden administration, the American Rescue Plan, and Congress being able to fund the vaccines to put kids in school, shots in arms, money in people's pockets, people in jobs, that we are in a different position now uh, than we were in the past. There's ample vaccines available. There is the ability to test and quarantine that work. Uh, and so Title 42 uh, should uh, uh, be lifted uh, and that we should focus on border management policy in order to make sure that they have the resources in order to move forward. In order to bring in more people into the United States illegally. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill on line five. Go ahead, Bill. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Yeah, Bill, you can hear um, excuse me, you can hear me, Rita? I hear you crystal clear, Bill. Go ahead. Okay. All all these subjects that's coming up, especially the border, who's responsible for this? Joe Biden. Right? Absolutely. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. Is is Joe Biden or is Joe Biden not responsible for the uh increase in gasoline? I believe so. Inflation, I believe okay. him and his Democratic Rita, Party. This is like, Rita, this is like a nightmare that, you know, you, you, you know when you have a nightmare, you're screaming and no one can hear you? Why isn't everybody trying to start a movement to remove this person from the White House? He does not deserve to be in the White House. Now, I understand the Dems have the majority, wherever the part of the government that you, you use as a vehicle to, be, to impeach a president or remove a president. But I don't care at this point. Something has to be done to remove this person. Now, I know the alternative. I shudder to think of the alternative. We know who, you know who I'm talking about, the vice president. Yeah. Hey, no, listen, Bill, too. Did you also – hang on a second, Bill. I want to add a couple other things to what you said. Um, we had John Solomon on, a great investigative journalist in the last hour. And John was saying, um, talking about some of the recounting of what Merrick Garland had to say today, the, uh, you know, of course, attorney general – And he was asked basically, you know, what is your biggest fear? And his biggest fear is also that ISIS-K has sort of developed um, after Afghanistan. So the logical question is, well, who created the chaos in Afghanistan? You know, it's like, oh, now we're worried about terrorists. We're worried about all these problems. And if you look at, again, just like you said, there's a series of issues. I mean, you look at even the way Ukraine has been handled. There are so many major issues right now happening in this country and a lot of it is based on their policies that they were preventable every policy that this man has instituted has been nothing done nothing but damage to this country yeah it is a big big concern i hear you bill i hear you and listen you know sadly you think about it's only been a little over a year it's like wow uh talk about i've never seen a country 
basically degrade in terms of values and in terms of national security issues. There's been so many problems that we have seen just in the last little over a year uh, since he took office. It is stunning. 1-800-848-9222. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. What do you think? You just heard from John. He's like, whoa, what's going on? Uh, And he's calling for removal of the president. A lot of people are calling for removal of Mayorkas, who is the head of Homeland Security, because, boy, he has definitely not been doing a good job. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about our southern border, which, by the way, we know that in March there were 220,000 encounters and illegal crossings up in at least just a few areas year to date, 160 percent, 160 percent. And by the way, over the weekend, just to give you an idea, in just a few sectors alone, they arrested the Texas Department of Services, the DPS, basically. They arrested a number of suspected drug cartel leaders, not just, you know, drug dealers, the cartel leaders. Also, a number of child sex offenders and several MS-13 gang members. That's just in the last three or four days alone in just one or two sectors. And there are many sectors. And it just shows that there are a lot of bad folks that are crossing the border. But still, this administration is pushing to make sure that Title 42 gets lifted. That's that health provision. And take a listen to the difference of the way Republicans, or at least the Republican Trump administration, handled the coronavirus and Title 42 compared to the Biden and Democratic administration. First off, here's a comment from Dr. Robert Redfield. Remember, he was the CDC director under President Trump, and he discussed the importance today of Title 42. The importance of Title 42, when I uh, requested that we uh, institute it, was really uh, that we weren't prepared at the border to provide a safe environment for the migrant uh, that were coming across the border. Uh, They were basically then being housed in in space that didn't allow them to have adequate uh, spacing at a time that there was transmission. And so it was for their own public health safety that really drove my decision to implement Title 42. And now listen to Tony Cardenas, a congressman who was part of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, who says, you know what, there's no reason for Title 42 or anything to be in place, anything that would prevent migrants from crossing. Listen to his philosophy. He basically tipped the administration's policy and summed it up pretty clearly this way. Congressman, you know, there are disagreements among even Democrats over lifting Title 42. You and many of your colleagues want it to end. Some others want it to stay in place until the administration shows plans to deal with what could be a a larger influx of people coming over the, the border. Tell us what the reason that Title 42 should be uh removed and and what about those that say well this could cause an unprecedented number in people coming over the border well title 42 was an excuse to keep people out of our country title 42 is an excuse to keep people out for health reasons oh my goodness that basically says it all anything that would prevent people from coming in 
even if they have criminal records or disease or whatever the case is, come on in. It's astounding. He believes that there is no reason to keep anybody out. And that basically, he also said, is the Biden administration policy is that Title 42 absolutely should be lifted, no matter what, even though they're begging for coronavirus funds from Congress and trying to shame Congress for not coughing up more coronavirus funds. Isn't that amazing? At the same time that they're saying, boy, it's all over the place. We need your help. But it's not at the southern border. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Judith in Virginia on line three. Judith, your thoughts? Yes, Rita. Smashing show as always. Thank you, Judith. I have uh, a statement and a question for you. Uh, As far as the Hunter Biden thing is concerned, I think it's all show. He'll never be tried. It'll it'll go into a black hole just like the Hillary Clinton business. Uh, that's my first comment. My second comment is, Rita, has anybody who has sat down with the president in conversation and asked him questions, asked him why he insists on the border remaining open? That's a great point. He has said early on, by the way, Judith, that he believes everybody should come to America, that that's his philosophy, that America is a place of opportunity and and everybody who has come deserves a chance to come to America. That's just his philosophy. I mean, he's come right out and said it's open borders, basically. I mean, he doesn't use that phrase because he knows that that is not a good phrase for him politically. But he's basically said that we are a land that's open to everyone, that that's who we represent, and that nobody should basically be turned away. But on the flip side, Judith, the media needs to really start grilling him more. There's a couple people in the press room, like you see Peter Ducey and you see Jackie Heinrich of Fox News, and there's a couple others that ask the right questions to either the president or to the press secretary, Jen Psaki. But a lot of the others just kind of give them a pass. The logical question is, how do you reconcile what we're talking about? That you're asking for COVID funds, but no problem at the borders. And why are you making it wide open to basically everybody to answer your question? But yet, for some reason, Cubans are having a hard time coming in. Even some of the Ukrainians are having a hard time coming in. Some ones that they believe may not vote Democrat. What a surprise. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love that we do every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement, also first responders, And, of course, also their families. A beautiful story coming out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a great, great place. Yesterday was a special day for a World War II veteran there uh, because Oklahoma lawmakers have started Honor a Veteran every week. And state lawmakers honored 102 years old Amos Smith. Smith joined the Army in 1940, and he served for five years. He spent time overseas, and he earned a lot of medals. He earned four bronze stars, the American Service Ribbon, and also a Purple Heart for being wounded in combat. 
By the way, he also has three children, 12 grandchildren, and 13 great-grandchildren. And a number of them were also present when he was honored by Oklahoma City lawmakers. How beautiful to see a member of the greatest generation honored and also to have his family present for that as well. Well, we do also know, sadly, of course, that a National Guardsman from Texas lost his life at the U.S. border. And in fact, uh, gosh, it was so heartbreaking. Yesterday, we saw some from some of the family members there um, close to him. And this is Bishop Evans and young guy, 22 years old, went in because he saw some migrants that were drowning in the river, went in and dove in. Uh, Turns out uh, that the migrants actually turned out to be drug smugglers. They survived. Bishop Evans' body sadly washed up. Um, and they determined, of course, that he had drowned uh, and he was missing for a day or two. It was a feverish search. And, you know, last night we heard from his family. And, boy, when you just hear about this guy, he really epitomizes, I think, in so many ways, the best of America, if you will. His grandmother was there saying that he always wanted to help people, always wanted to give back, always wanted to do stuff to make a difference. And when he saw somebody in need, it didn't matter who they were, he always wanted to help and how tragic that he lost his life. But Governor Abbott is saying, listen, if the federal government, if the Biden administration had been protecting the border appropriately like they are supposed to do, it is a federal government charge, it's their responsibility. Had they been doing that, we wouldn't be having to send our Texas National Guard and to beef up support and security at the border. But he said, guess what? They left us no choice. And so he blames the Biden administration for the fact that the Texas National Guard is there, that they're actually at the border because he said they have left us no choice. And meantime, this administration continues to push for the lifting of Title 42. We have seen it left and right. Um, And by the way, today at the Supreme Court, they argued about the remain in Mexico policy. This is, again, another Trump policy that was in place, basically saying that migrants should stay in Mexico once they get asylum granted and go through all the processes, once they've been approved, then they can cross the border. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Well, they were ordered by a court, the Biden administration, to enforce Remain in Mexico. They said, we're lifting Remain in Mexico, that policy, along with wanting to now lift, of course, Title 42. They're doing everything they can to make that border like a leaky sieve at a time where they know it is risky and where they've even self-admittedly said that they're overwhelmed right now as it is. But yet they seem to just say, come on in, no problem, guys. And so even on the Remain in Mexico, it's really stunning because a judge had to step in there, too, and say, listen, Biden administration, you have to adhere to the Remain in Mexico policy. And so far since they were told that, they've only returned back. It's like 200 of them out of thousands upon thousands. So they're not enforcing it. So today before the Supreme Court, they heard arguments about the case. They're going to make a decision uh, probably in a month or two. Uh, but, you know, border issues and security at the at the border is wide open, and that is a huge, huge issue. And the courts ha- are finding that they have to step in because they feel like this administration isn't just doing it on its own. It's not abiding by the courts. I don't know why the judges aren't going, hey, wait a minute, we told you to put this in place. You're not doing it, and there should be some forced procedure. But instead, they're listening to the justifications of the case, listening to the merits of it, and we'll see where it goes. 
but the judges have had to step in because this administration has just been freelancing all over the place. And people are going, wait a minute, this is not a smart thing to do. Now, included with this also is Robert Redford. He is the CDC director under President Trump. And he says right now is not the time to be lifting Title 42, that that should stay in place, that health criteria should stay in place to keep Americans safe. Take a listen. And I do believe uh, that it's premature at this point to uh, terminate it. Uh, If it is to be terminated, I think it's critical that the CDC and, and our border teams make sure there's adequate facilities to house these migrant workers in a way that's uh, safe and responsible at a time of, of ongoing COVID transmission. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And yet they are pushing right now with the vice president of the United States diagnosed with COVID, tested positive. And they say COVID is everywhere and we need a lot more money for COVID relief funds. But don't worry about the border. We're going to list Title 42 and not have any restrictions at the border. We don't want Remain in Mexico. We want a wide open border and we won't be checking or vaccinating anybody. Does that make sense to anybody with half a brain? I don't think so. Let's go to Roger on Massachusetts. Line 8. Go ahead, Rog. All right. Can you hear me? I hear you crystal clear, Rog. Go ahead. Okay, good. All right. I'm going to recognize. I'll tell you how it makes sense. Um, I thought about this about two years. Two years ago, we got our census information pamphlet in the mail up in Massachusetts, which says in bold letters, everyone living according to the Constitution, it should be counted. Uh, page two of this brochure was a information on how to register to vote and including the words you can register within 10 days of an election now we all know in 10 days of an election uh, gonna, no one's going to be able to verify a million applications for uh, voter registration or and um so here we have we have coronavirus talk cropping up again and, and, and people being distributed all through the country the past year, and we have an election coming up. Oh, it's going to be, we're going to have to do mail-in voting again because of the virus. And the, all Democrats have to do is mount a, um, a voter registration campaign going door-to-door to help people register. You know what I mean? There's no control. Anybody will be able to register to vote, you know, and, and there'll be very, no one's going to check millions of applications, and they got a bunch of new Democrat voters. How scary is that, Raj? But you know what, Raj? It, it actually makes a lot of sense, Raj. And you're absolutely correct because they do get counted. Um, and also they go toward census. They go toward how many representatives you have to population count. I mean, there's so many different levels here. Uh, voting, too, as well in a number of places. So with all of these things, you're right. It's like, what a coincidence. And now at a time where it looks like the Republicans will be very successful in November based on a lot of the polls right now. And given some of these policies, they w- they just want Americans to just kind of ignore it. And just like you said, suddenly they get them all in. They're here. Oh, gosh, let's have amnesty, too. 
I mean, I also think they're even going to go one step further. I think they're going to try to make a lot of them citizens. I mean, we've already seen from Elizabeth Warren, she's already basically tipped the hand and said, she said the other day, yeah, there should be amnesty. She was on an interview with CNN over the weekend and said, you know, yeah, I think all of these people, they should be coming in and then they should eventually get amnesty right away. I think that should happen quickly. I mean, if Elizabeth Warren and AOC and all these people had their way, they would have amnesty probably tomorrow. I mean, it's... Uh, and you're right. November is right around the corner, and they would love to have as many votes as they can. That's a great one, Raj. Let's go to Judy on line two. Go ahead, Judy, your thoughts. Uh, hi, uh, Rita. Wonderful show. Um, it's the first time I've listened, and I really, really like it. Um, I'm kind of, a, a, of course, agreement with the, pe- the um, previous uh, caller said, and it's along the lines of that. But I also think the reason they're so adamant about this thing and nothing seems to be changing their minds is because they're going to let in millions because they pretty much figure that they're going to lose at the midterms and maybe even 2024. But in a couple of years, they'll have millions, millions of new what they hope will be Democratic, uh, socialist, maybe uh, voters. And I think that's what they're looking for because they always think long range. They're really in for the long fight. And I really believe that that's what's going on. Nothing will stop them because it's millions millions new voters for them. And you know what's interesting, Judy? I mean, no matter what happens with the House and Senate, and right now it looks like the House will probably turn towards Republicans. The Senate may turn. Uh, Both of them may turn. You know, um, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's some really powerful um, signs pointing towards a Republican, at least take over one of the houses. But remember, the president's going to stay there. So he could also say, oh, I'm going to do an executive order, even no matter what happens after November. Hey, I'm going to do maybe let's let's maybe give amnesty to all these people. Let's you know, can you imagine suddenly, hey, whoever's in the country, maybe now I believe in border protection now that there's five or six or seven or 10 million that happen to come into the country. What a surprise, you know. Uh, But I think you're on to something, Judy. I really do. It's and it's frightening. I mean, to me, it's frightening at a time where they're trying to make the argument that there's such a huge issue with coronavirus that they need more funds. And obviously it's pervasive. Even the vice president has it now. But for some reason, at a place where people have been sleeping under a bridge and in very desperate situations to get to the U.S., I mean, you hear these heartbreaking stories. There's no coronavirus there. I mean, it's like it it just it defies logic. Uh, and you have to wonder, what is the grand scheme? Exactly what, you, what you're talking about, Judy. I think you're definitely on to something. Let's go to John on line seven. John, your thoughts. Well, um, my great-grandfather and great-grandmother came here in the 1800s with my grandmother. And we had stories of anyone sick on that boat could, could result in the boat being sent back to Italy. And it happened in many cases, where an entire boat was refused at Ellis Island and sent back to its uh, port of origin. So the people on some of these boats were so paranoid of the boat going back to Italy that, in some cases, people disappeared at night who were sick. Wow. Wow. But but you know what's interesting, John? And obviously, you know, that's a a sad story, but you talk about the contrast of there, you know, and, and my parents came through New York 
Um, and both of them came on the Queen Mary, by the way, with a hundred bucks in their pocket. Couldn't wait till they came into New York Harbor when they saw the Statue of Liberty. They, my father said he cried. He kissed the ground. He was so happy to be on American soil and so appreciative to be an American. But they got tested to whether they had any diseases or any issues or any, you know, any problems. And they were coming from England. You know, these people were, you know, look at the conditions they're coming in. And now what do you think when you hear these stories of, of what you're talking about with your family's history and the conditions that they went through and now to see what they're doing at the border now where they're not checking if they're vaccinated, they're not even checking if they have a criminal history in their country. And in fact, I think I just mentioned, John, that in the last few days alone at the border, they actually apprehended just in like one or two different sectors, Mexican drug cartel leaders, the the head of a couple cartels, also child sex offenders, MS-13 gang members. And that's just in the last few days. I mean, that this is frightening, John. When I worked in uh, Central and South America, I actually made that trip all the way uh, through uh, Central America, and it's not a difficult trip. You take buses and trains, and uh, I took the last train from Mexico City up to Guadalajara, and then it went to uh, Mexicali. And so uh, the the um, this was in 1985, and the, the the trains was so full that I had to sleep standing for three days. Uh, or two nights and three days, I stood because wow. the pe- the people were all were sleeping up where the baggage goes above your head up on those things. They were sleeping all over the floors. I mean, it was so, these trains have been coming for forty years, like just completely full. And um, they and John, your your experience is is even more. Um, you know, you, we've seen some of the images. Remember, like of the people who are the caravans that were walking. You know. Um, so can you imagine the conditions of the people who are like living under the bridges and just, you know, and or whether they're packed on a train like you were? I mean, do you believe it when the White House basically says, oh, we don't have to check for coronavirus? And in fact, do you remember, John, when Jen Psaki was asked about it? This was the most ridiculous comment. She was asked this was a couple weeks ago. You know, don't you worry about coronavirus with these people? Shouldn't they be vaccinated? Oh, they're not staying for a long time. They're just here for a little bit. Right. Countries are very unsanitary, and I think there's a lot of disease coming up. Um, so that's it. Yeah. Wow. And and hearing your story, my goodness, how many people do you think were on the train? By the way, John, that you were packed in. Oh, oh my goodness, there were there. Oh gosh, maybe between a thousand and two thousand. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. John, thank you for sharing that story. That is really, really powerful. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. The utter hypocrisy. And as you just heard from John, from his conditions, and that was on a train. That's probably even better conditions than a lot of people that are coming across the border. And yet this administration says no problems at the border. They're only staying for a little while, even though they lose track of them after they cross the border. They give them a cell phone. Or they say, hey, here's a notice to appear, you know, come back in like a year or two. You really think they're coming back and appearing for a court appearance after you basically say, hey, don't worry about it. Come back. We'll see you. You know what the percentage is? It is like single digits of how many actually come back for their court appearance. Because guess what? They can just kind of assimilate, kind of get into the society, never get checked for the health issues, never get checked for the criminal background. And yet we are told that there's now 
a huge issue with coronavirus in the rest of the country. But don't worry about the border. They're just staying for a little bit. Most people are staying for a very long time. And I can't blame them. It's a great country. But guess what? We have to protect our country and we have to check them. And we are not doing that. Shame on this administration. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We'll take your calls when we come back. It's the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about our southern border and what a mess it is as there was a hearing before the Supreme Court today about the remain in Mexico policy that the Biden administration is supposed to be adhering to. This comes also at the same time that a judge has put a temporary injunction and said, no, 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 Biden administration, you cannot lift Title 42, that health provision. And in fact, the former CDC director under then President Trump Robert Redfield said today that the coronavirus is still with us and that absolutely they could be using that as a justification to keep Title 42 in place. But this administration does not want it. And this is how Redfield describes the coronavirus, which certainly the Biden administration seems to be saying on all locations, on planes, on buses, everywhere, they're asking for funds for the coronavirus. But They're not asking for funds for that tied to our U.S. border. Listen to Redfield talking about the virus and how pervasive it still is. It's very clear this virus is going to continue to evolve. We will have additional variants. Those variants will continue to uh, have certain characteristics. They'll be more transmissible than the previous variant. And I know it's hard to believe that something can be more transmissible than Omicron. But people used to think nothing could be more transmissible than Delta. And the other thing they're going to do is they're going to have really less ability for natural immunity or vaccines to prevent uh, those infections. And let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania on line eight. Dave, go ahead. Your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. My thoughts are, I think, Everything the Biden administration is doing and or the leftist movement or power grounds behind the administration should be seen in the context that it's all being done intentionally, not an act. It's not being due to incompetence or weakness. And if you put on your leftist thinking cap, how do leftist power grabbers thrive? They thrive in uh, economic depravity, lawlessness. And tribalism, which a large part is the whole you know, this wokeness culture that's being, you know, uh, posted on our society. So that's what I really think. It's not a, you know, it makes perfect sense what they're doing, if you think, from a leftist perspective. But you know what's interesting, Dave, that even beyond, like, uh, the wokeness and all that stuff, and, yeah, I do think a lot of it's that part of that policy, this is just so dangerous. And that's what concerns me at a time where, you know, I care about our countries. I care about um, the security of our country. I'm so worried when I see what's going on with crime escalating around the country. And to have our borders like a leaky sieve at a time right now, when we're dealing with everything with Russia, we're dealing with so much, you know, with Afghanistan. I mean, there's just so much stuff out there. A lot of it created by this administration. But it's the last time 
uh, last, you know, thing that I would want to see right now is see our borders wide open. And they self-admittedly are doing that. And that, to me, is just downright frightening as an American who cares about protecting this country and protects America. Let's go to Lamar on line seven. Lamar, your thoughts. Lamar, are you there? Oops, we lost you, Lamar. Let's go to Stefano on line six. Let's go to Stefano real quick. Steph, your thoughts. Uh, hi, Rita. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Go ahead, Stefano. Okay. Uh, so many thoughts. <laughs> so uh, I actually think that uh, what's going to happen is uh, as we get closer to November, um, it's going to be like one of those situations where they can't fight the war on all fronts. And I think they're going to have to make a decision. Um, so one side, it's going to be the border. And on the other side, it's going to be COVID. COVID being we're going to push the COVID issue. So we're going to get those ballot harvesters out there. We're going to get all those same things that we used the last time. And we're going to try to stay where we are this time. The other one would be, of course, you know, uh, like the other uh, lady said, and the guy from uh, actually Massachusetts was spot on too. And like she said, you know, let all the people, get as many people as you can in and look for down the line. But I think that right now, they got their pedal on the gas. They, they got their foot on the gas. They're not going to take it off. Yeah, they they clearly. Stefano, I agree with you. They they are determined, and they are not shifting in policy. And in fact, I told you, like we heard Elizabeth Warren, you know, her and AOC are basically like, yeah, we should bring them in. We should have amnesty. You know, if they had their druthers, they'd pick them up. They'd fly. They do flights to Guatemala, and they'd do flights to everywhere around the world, and say, come on in. It's really frightening, guys. Have a good night.